What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 386. My name is Steve, one of the co-hosts of the show. And as always, I'm joined by Ron and John. This episode is going to be an interesting one. I mean, we don't have anything really truly mapped out beyond our required viewing. Um, Ron and I were not able to see Barbie, so we'll, we'll push that down the road a little bit. Uh, once we can all talk about it, we'll probably go into it a little further. Um, obviously, it's a huge sensation. Broke a billion dollars since we last recorded, and who knows how high it will go. Um, again, Oppenheimer, part of that crazy marketing, that's still doing crazy business. I think at the time of recording this, I want to say it's Nolan's fourth or fifth highest grossing film mm. uh, ever, which is kind of bonkers um, for for what Oppenheimer is. But um and yeah. for a guy who's got three three Batman films in his, uh, <laughs> for sure, for sure. But I mean, resume, yeah, you even get to like resume. you know Interstellar, and so, yeah. you know he's got some big blockbustery movies, and this is not that, but it's it's really found a a wave to ride here in this great marketing and the timing and and the whole Barbenheimer sensation. But uh, yeah, eventually we'll get around to Barbie. Uh, but yeah, otherwise beyond the required viewing, which uh, with John's pick last week was the the offense. Um, We'll get Ronald's, I guess, Ronald's pick for the next one. Is that yes. the order that we go? Yeah. yeah. We'll get Ronald's pick for the next one, and then we'll kind of just run through what else we've seen over the past week. Um, and that, that'll be the episode. Um, but uh, John, remind us about the offense. Tell us why you picked it, and let's uh, let's go right to required viewing. Um, I, just as a quick reminder to both of you, a good way to remember the order is it's alphabetical by our last names. I don't know that that was planned, but oh, it wow. works out that it's Ronald, Steve, <laughs> so, James, Ritter, Walker. Um, yeah, the, the offense was on my radar because a couple people that I follow had mentioned it just as a sort of, you know, sort of kind of the way you do when you think maybe people don't know about this movie and it kind of fits in with the tradition of a kind of movie that people celebrate, you know, this kind of gritty seventies drama. Um, and we had just done sort of a, an accidental themed round of, uh, if I kept it going of, of police thrillers or crime thrillers, um, as part of our, uh, required viewing. Cause we went from, uh, black rain to what was the last one? Your pick, Steve. Uh, deep cover just deep cover to this so this is a nice little trilogy of you know toxic masculinity crime uh sagas uh you know involving the police you might say if you want to loosely define it but so i think it just made it feel like it was a good pick and um i'm always curious about these movies that seem like you would have heard of them before or that seem like you would know more about them just by who's involved in them that it, this was a by the way i've gone back and forth I, anytime you find like a pronunciation guide online it says it's sydney sydney limit or limit but if anybody has ever said his name publicly like in an award ceremony yeah. or an interview they say yeah. lumet so i'm lumet, going back yeah. i'm going back to lumet but if anyone out okay. there wants to We're say correcting this yeah. wants to wants to correct my correction i say go back to the, our, our last episode 385 and hear that we did try to roll with some new pronunciation but it's it's futile it's sydney lumet um john, but, I, know, think, he, I think you have i think you have your bases covered john i think we're yeah. good i think right. uh we're okay all right uh but What's I do those? say when, when you said it last week, it was kind of like it threw me back a little bit. I was like, wait, that's how you say his name? <laughs> well, well, have you ever heard what? someone ever heard someone be interviewed on a show like on an NPR show or whatever? <laughs> and the person says their name in some weird way. And you go, wait a minute. That can't that, be yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you dig For into sure. it. And that's right. I just had remembered someone saying Sidney Lumet in a different way. And and I, I found, you know, anyway. It's if it's Lumet, we're not going to do that. We're going to go with the old school. We're going to say it the way Pacino says it at the Oscars, which is Lumet. There you go. 
Um, so anyway, I just felt like I would have heard of a, uh, a gritty crime drama starring Sean Connery directed by Sidney Lumet. Like, I feel like, does that mean it sucks or something? But then I dug into it and I was like, no, it's actually, you know, it's reasonably critically well-regarded. And the reasons why people are challenged by this film are the reasons why, if you watch it, you would say it's the film's t- intending to challenge you. Um, but it's based on a play, which makes a lot of sense when you when you look at the movie, a, a play that kind of unfolds over three acts. Um, and uh, uh, the play was called This Story of Yours. And it involves a scene between uh, Sergeant Johnson, played by Sean Connery in the film, a, a scene between him and his wife, a scene between him and an investigating officer who was talking to him about something he's just done, and uh, a scene between him and uh, a presumed criminal in an interrogation room. And you can see how the movie kind of follows that, that there are these sort of epic scenes that unfold uh, with these characters. And it centers on this cop who's having like, I mean, it's sort of a comment on what we now are really talking about, about the police. And that's what maybe made this movie feel very current when people were talking about it, is that it's really confronting head on this idea that to be a policeman in in some ways it plays to if if someone was kind of uh tend if they had tendencies towards a certain kind of way of solving a problem that might not be super healthy or if they have maybe even some kind of uh narcissism or um maybe even a breakdown of of uh their perception of reality <laughs> having that person in the role of a policeman is very dangerous but yeah. also it makes you think about the danger to the policeman's brain of being exposed to things i mean i remember a friend of mine who was a a highway patrolman for a while and and he seemed really dedicated to the job and years later i saw that he had quit and i asked him why and he said i i had a job where every day i only saw people at their worst mm. either somebody who was doing something terrible somebody who was having their worst moment or someone to whom i was delivering the worst news and he said that he it was such an ugly piece of humanity and such a you know dismaying slice of humanity that he was being exposed to that he couldn't handle it um So I don't know. That's always been in my mind when I think about cops. And there's a phrase called cop worship that you hear people talk about with regards to a lot of like detective stories and a lot of crime stories where we just assume that the policemen we're following are the the good guys. And that makes sense in in a certain kind of simple way. But the the best stories will always do that other thing of trying to find the ambiguity within um, that world. And I think this movie is definitely, it's in that seventies tradition of something that's really trying to examine, okay, this guy who thinks he's found his man, this child rapist and possible child murderer, um, that he, they think they've caught him. And this cop has, has, I mean, he's having flashes of these awful crimes he's witnessed or, or, you know, that he knows have happened in his mind and he's losing his grip on reality. And the way he treats his wife is horrendous because of what's happening to him. And, um, Anyway, I, I thought that it was I thought that it was it was not quite what I was expecting. There were moments in it that really chilled me to the bone. And I thought there were some I thought there were some amazing moments in this film of just like the interplay between two characters. And um, you know, Sean Connery goes to some pretty dark places in this movie as uh as this troubled policeman. I don't know. Maybe I could open it up to you guys. What did, what did it mean to you, Ronald, the name Sidney Lumet, the name Sean Connery, when you saw that we were going to be talking about this movie? And then how did you how did you uh, feel watching the offense? I mean, you know what I realized as I was watching that? I don't know if I watched many Sean Connery movies outside of like the stuff with um, like the Bond stuff and the Untouchables. A, yeah, Untouchables. And maybe a couple of stray movies like that, but I don't know if I'd 
Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah, yeah, big yeah the, the big, the bigger American ones. But like as I'm watching it, it's 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 like a it it lost me at some parts. But once you really see what's happening, I guess the the whole like breakdown that he was having, and then the confrontation that that took up the bulk of the the third act. I mean, that's like what what movies are made for. You got you kind of are sitting there like, man, you know, there's a there's a big gap in, <laughs> you know, he comes into the room, the guy's really beat up. How does it happen? What happens? Right, and then they explain it in that third act, and it is, it is really pretty amazing. It almost feels like the script was written, like this was the bulk of it. This was like the the pitch to the studios, like, hey. Read this, read this interaction between these two people because it was so good. Um, the, the way that Sean Connery would kind of shrink and get bigger. It only reminds me, it reminds me of one other thing, Hard Candy, w- mm-hmm. which was kind of this exchange of power that kept happening. Like this guy was would shrink and this little girl was kind of like, you know, and then it would change and then it would change and it would go back and forth. And that dynamic was really cool. Um Especially when in your head you think you have a profile of a person. I mean, it, mm-hmm. you know, there's like a thing, you know, I, 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 this is so random, but I'm, I'm going to say it just because it's in my brain. Like as a as a person that that's like has some medical issues, you realize that people are just doing their jobs and you may talk to somebody who is just kind of has a profile. They, they're like, oh, it looks like this. It sounds like this. So it must be this. Mm-hmm. He realized that like people are getting up just doing a job and that can get a little nasty. Like some people wake up on the wrong side of the bed and that can affect a sequence of events. They can they have the power to arrest you, to to profile you as a person, to, you know, to make these big life changing decisions. And he was obsessed with these concepts that that were triggering for him. But he he may have been doing what they call projection in therapy projecting yeah. some of that shit on people right it just was so weird that i to the point where i didn't understand what was happening that's the part that lost me at first i'm like why is this happening like this but then go ahead, go ahead i'm sorry no i was just gonna interject but please tell that thought when you said it lost you what i thought about was a conversation we've had before about like just watching stories about awful people. And there's a point where you're like, why am I watching this? And there was a point <laughs> yeah. about midway into the scene with his wife oh where I was like, God, where I was like, this is so unpleasant. And I hate this guy so much yeah. that I don't want to see his navel gazing, his introspection. I I thought treat your, treat the people that are helping you nice first. And then yeah. you can go and have your drink and, you know, open up. But the way he was, I mean, I kept being afraid he was going to hit her or something. That, that yeah. scene was brutal. Um, but I think that was intentional. Whether that's not an easy, that doesn't mean it maybe isn't a little slow paced and through some of those stretches. But I think they had done so much good work at that point to set up maybe what you're talking about, which is the sort of what's on his brain that, um, that I felt like, okay, at least they earned this kind of quiet moment because the first maybe 15, 20 minutes of the movie are, are a bit more, they, you know, they, you get quicker, shorter scenes that sort of set up this world. Um, so, but I, I felt like it was kind of losing me at that moment of like, right when I was wondering, why are we watching this story about this guy? I don't like this guy. That was right when his, the other officers came over to get him. And suddenly yeah. it got so much more interesting again, because the way they had to, I mean, that the dynamics of how they were treating him and versus how they were treating him earlier, everything was, it was almost like a mob movie where the tables have turned on you and now you've got to go 
you know, take your, you've got to go sit before the dawn or something. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. I just wanted to say that about when you said it kind of lost you, I was going to say it kind of lost me too. When I was wondering, like, why yeah. do I care about this guy who seems like just a piece of shit? Like, even though he might be trying to do the right thing, he was so clearly a monster to me, yeah. you know? Yeah. It was rough, man. I was like, wow, this is, this guy just told his wife that she was never pretty. Yeah. Like, what? 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 Why are you even here? And he's trying not to talk to her because he never wanted to talk to her. You know, oh, it's just ugly as hell. It's heartbreaking. Steve, what'd you think? Yeah. It wasn't for me. I'm going to yeah. tell you. Yeah, I, like, I think the point that you just described, John, is kind of where it did it did lose me. I mean, because I feel like to that point, the, the scene with his wife and then even when he's being invested or when he's being interrogated or they have this conversation with, I guess, one of his superiors. Like those two scenes, I kind of there. It just kind of felt so tedious to me at times. Like it just felt felt like it was like spinning wheels, like this over and over. Yeah. Uh, like I, I don't want to say randomness because I mean, by the time you get to the end of the movie, it does kind of like I, I do think that the the last conversation when you go back to him with is it Baxter or whatever the whatever the yeah Baxter the, 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 is the yeah um, the guy's name is. Um, it, you know, I think from there it, it kind of was pulling me back in. But I mean, I I, I honestly feel like with, with with what amounts to really like three or four big set pieces, there's just a lot of like, uh, like over like a lot of the same themes being hit over and over again. Which yeah. for me at least, it didn't seem to like move it along until it got to that final sequence. Mm -hmm. Like when he when you see him back in the in the interrogation room from earlier in the movie. You know, and honestly, I also felt like a lot of the, uh, you know, like the little flashback pieces that you get, like the random shots of, you know, these things that he's keeping in the recesses of his brain or of his mind, you know, when he's talking to his wife and describing what we just watched, you know, as he's flashing through them. Um, I, I don't really think like it did anything. I mean, how do I say this? I don't really think it did anything to make me at that point have any understanding like why yeah like why i care about this cop at all sure. you know and i think that's why i feel like it lost me right there like it didn't make me more interested in why he is that way it really just kind of pushed me away from really wanting to see any more about you know the stuff that he's carrying and like why he doesn't talk to his wife about it and all this thing but i mean right, it's, it's it's like it's presented about the most unpleasant way as possible yeah. and like and it's yeah. even shot in this kind of flat kind of drab style which i think really works for some of the stuff in the movie but that's why i stressed there were some amazing moments in this movie is because i kind of felt like throughout i was going i mean again when i found out it was based on a play i was like that makes so much sense that it's it's these yeah. conversation scenes that go on and on and on you know and i actually really liked each scene for different reasons but i did find that like i said the scene with his wife just like almost unbearable because i was at this moment of like ugh, i hope this movie's not going to like try to make us feel bad for him or something and then you get to the end and you realize they really weren't ever trying to make you feel bad for him they just wanted you to see maybe even a self-serving idea he has that he's this tortured guy yeah yeah. Um, but I thought the scene with his sort of superior in, in interrogating him was really good, but I agree. It kind of like, it did, it did get into a kind of loop a couple times yeah. and go on a little long. And, you know, it's, maybe it's a matter of a movie that's like an hour and 53 minutes that if it were like 90 minutes, that's exactly right. What you're yeah. talking yeah. about wouldn't really be an issue. That doesn't mean it people would, would 
it wouldn't change the fact that this is a bleak fucking movie. But like, I think you're right about the kind of pacing. And I would even say this. I'm, I extend it the sort of like, OK, 50 years later, this movie, um, it, it has a more indulgent pacing than than this material would have today. You know what I mean? You just yeah. wouldn't treat this material this way. Like the movie, it actually made me think the most of is uh, Prisoners. I was constantly thinking mm. of the way the sort of vengeance narrative in that played mm. out and the way, especially at the scene at the beginning where the girl goes walking off and we see the neighbor, that scene I thought was great when the neighbor the like woman, yeah. stops because she drops her groceries and she looks over and she sees something that you could tell yourself is extremely suspicious or not suspicious at all, which is a little girl walking across the field and being met by a grown up who seems to walk off with them. And you could yeah. tell yourself, Oh, that's just, Oh, she's meeting her dad or something. But then you'd be thinking, I don't know. I just thought that was, if it had, more of that kind of solving the crime stuff even him going through the woods when he finds the girl i thought some of that stuff was really creepy and weird the way that it was shot um and also now that i'm thinking about him finding her in the woods one of the worst things the movie really hints at and really kind of comes out and says is that you talk about projection ronald this guy is like such a piece of shit he's actually experiencing some of these desires that yeah. that the people he's after are experiencing and like i think it's very uh, the ambiguity of the end of this movie as far as like what is the true si situation baxter what is his true guilt we don't we don't really know we almost feel like sergeant johnson is more guilty than baxter as far i mean we know that he's guilty of murdering a man and we know that he's guilty of having these weird desires and stuff i don't know i just thought it was an interesting thing i kept almost waiting for some twist where it's like we yeah, that's find what, that it's him yeah, rather than it just kind of being like it might as well have been you look at the way you treat women look at the way you treat people yeah. um even when that witness came in the woman that we saw with with the groceries when she's in the police station he's like why weren't you here earlier it's like he's just such a fucking hard prick uh yeah. at, towards everybody but i i i, I know what you mean steve and that's where i am with a lot of this type of stuff where it's like i think this was compelling but i always have that question of and it's just my general diet. I'm not really looking for stories where uh, the, the person's terrible. And that's kind of, I end it just going, yep, as terrible as he seemed five minutes in, that's that's how terrible he is at the end. Yeah. I, th I think in the 70s, maybe exploring some of these masculine role model type characters and blowing them up, I think it might have been more, more of an exciting idea. But we've seen so many terrible people, um, not celebrated, but just stories about them, you know? And it's like, I don't know. Yeah, and also reading about like just the timing of this movie, it, it also feels like a very overt effort to like uh, to not be James Bond, you know, mm -hmm. like to mm -hmm. <laughs> to basically be like, uh, yeah, this is what else I can do. And I and I and I do think like Connery's performance is really good. I mean, I think most of the performances of the the key figures in the in the movie are are good slash very good. But I mean, I feel like there were moments, you know, especially even at the end, like even though that that pulled me back in. I think that, you know, they just get into these like cycles of just like a shouting matches and it's just yeah. like who can shout in different ways. And, yeah. you know, there are times when there's the, some of the dialogue just was kind of not clicking for me. And also like this is, you know, this is a movie of its time, too. Like it's my first time ever seeing it. And, you know, I'm familiar with a lot of the other more, I guess, n well known or main, you know, successful Lamet films, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I mean, even seeing some of the other movies that. I liked more than this that I could see that this was a precursor to um what's the one with uh with Treat Williams um oh uh yeah oh, oh my god Pr uh, Prince of the City yes um like that is like th that that shares a lot of DNA with this movie too you know in terms of that cop figure and the moral and like what they're carrying and how they're acting and things like that but um 
yeah, I don't know. It's just like something just didn't click for me. And I think overall it didn't really, it didn't really feel like there was a lot of style to it uh, in terms of the direction, but I guess that's kind of like his films can kind of be all over the place in terms of a, like a signature style. But um, yeah, I don't know. This, this one just wasn't for me. Yeah. But I appreciate your pick and I'm glad I watched it. And I will say, I swear, like I don't, you asking about it on the thread today, Ronald, <laughs> like what the name of the movie was. I cannot remember the name of this movie. Like it's so, and I don't yeah. know if it's just the way that they spell it differently. It is. Mm-hmm. It like, is. There's it something in my weird. brain that all I keep thinking of whenever I look it up or when I think about it is like, I keep, my brain wants to keep saying the confession or the confess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not the, right. no, no, no. <laughs> and like, yeah. I found myself constantly. I'm like, wait, Sean Connery looking through. A yeah. Okay. That that's the one. But I like even telling Aaron about what it was tonight. I was like, I just told Ronald the name of this movie earlier and yeah. it's because I was watching it when you <laughs> texted asking about it. Yeah. Right. I was like, Oh like, my what God. What the fuck is the name of this movie? Like, <laughs> and it wasn't like it. I really do love the movies. Like I love when, especially something that I've, I haven't heard of or something like that. And I could not remember. I actually got it. I actually like put it in a place to watch and I couldn't remember the name of it. Like it was like, yeah that definitely happened to me the first time i heard it mentioned because i was like oh that's someone said oh yeah the sydney sydney lament film with uh with sean connery where, know, he, yeah. where he kills the the guy that he's um you know interrogating and it's like i thought i was like that sounds that sounds pretty intense why have i not heard it i mean that question i was talking about before <laughs> yeah. and and then i when i was going back to try to put it on my list for, for required viewing. I had that same thought of like, wait, what was the fucking name of that thing again? And then when I saw what it was, I was like, Oh, no wonder I couldn't remember that name. It is sort of a, I mean, I do think it fits the movie and it's a kind of clever name because it does again, yeah. make you wonder like what's really going on here. But um, no, I, I, I mean, I, I think there's always going to be that question when a movie is bleak and drab and punishing uh, and it's done that on purpose. There's always going to be that question in my head of like, but could you have done the fun version of that? <laughs> Fun's yeah. the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Could you have yeah, done yeah. the? Could you have done the more entertaining version of that? And I think part of it is yes, this is definitely a movie of its time, and um, and I whereas I I think I was able to eventually plug into it and get those those key moments, like even just with that kind of dry scene between him and his superior talking. There were all these moments moments where his where the guy was kind of trying to get him to tell a better story yes and he wasn't like hearing leading i thought that was that. yeah but it, but leading him on in a way that was very edged like had a cold edge to it where it, eventually it's like i kind of came down here to hear what you would say and you haven't impressed me with your account of this in any way you know and you're so used to maybe seeing the cop talk his way out of it or the supervisor kind of be on his side i feel like that was another way this movie was blowing up those tropes that you expect yeah. in a sort of cop worship story but yeah. yeah does that mean i'm i'm in a hurry to watch it again anytime soon or ever no so you know so so i'm glad to have seen it but um but yes i i uh I, i'm glad it wasn't four scenes of that length of him kind of talking in circles yeah. with somebody yeah. but but no i like i think i liked it uh but i don't know that this is a movie that you're supposed to like go oh that was great you know (laughs) it's funny you mentioned the prisoner prisoner earlier because like i i it crossed my mind too and even what you're saying just now it's like i think prisoner is an example of what you described just now it's like i don't know that i seek out these kinds of movies but like you know even when we go back to like our top movie of the decade when we had that for our big episode it's like 
like that's the one I picked. Like that's literally one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. You know, and it's like, and it's because there's so much more there for me. You know, there's obviously beyond being more entertaining, but like there's just it, it is bleak as all hell. And I mean, even seeing that movie before being a parent and after, it just adds different layers to it for me. And hell it's yeah. a movie I have rewatched multiple times. And that's just because like I just connect to it so so deeply. But it is a it, it is an apt comparison. Like I thought about the same thing watching this. Um, just because of how bleak this felt from the jump. And the um, and, and the idea of a person who is maybe not guilty, but still seems to be carrying some kind of role or guilt in a situation. Like that Baxter guy, I liked what he was saying about the way he like privately mentally tortures this bully that he used to have by like yeah. just having a better life than him and having him around. I thought that was really fun stuff. But again, I think that um, it was mainly because of the actors going back and forth. And yes, definitely when you watch movies from a certain era back, the acting style, there is a little bit more of like suddenly yelling is like, yeah, that's yeah. like the height. Of, that's like the, the height of, flex. Yeah. of performance. And I can see it and I can understand the tradition of that, like, you know, being able to project and, you know, showing your character's emotion that directly. But I think we have gotten used to sort of like mic'd up close uh uh subtle sort of acting as compared to that so that is another way that like for something to be sort of exhaustingly slow paced and also sort of over the top at the same time it's a it's a you know that's a that's an early 70s movie yeah for sure <laughs> but but like i said i I'm, I'm glad i watched it and this is right up my alley in terms of this is the kind of forgotten movie or overlooked movie that i'm so interested to go back and and find out why you know like um, it's interesting to track the films that aren't the big films on someone's resume, which is, um, right. you yeah. know, whether it's acting or the directing. So, yeah, what does that mean for next time, Ronald? What's our next required viewing selection? Um, I want to take you back to ye old 2008, um, <laughs> the beginning of a genre. So I, I just discovered sci-fi not too long ago, but there's actually <laughs> in 2008, a, an actual genre of film was kind of coined and that's British hoodie horror. Oh, um, and just fresh off the heels of the whole Yellowstone verse is one of the more popular actors right now. Kelly Riley, Kelly Riley, Michael Fassbender, Jack O'Connell. In one movie, Eden Lake. Oh, so, hell yeah. Um, James Watkins kind of started this genre of movies. And like for the next 10 or so years, there were several movies. And, and for anybody that's not familiar with the genre, it's kind of this commentary on the middle and lower class. Just the idea that like hoodies represent poverty, uh, a level of aggression, a level of... Um, ruthlessness um and this is one of those movies that i i'd always heard about and kelly riley i actually didn't even know she was british up until very recently um this is one of those movies that like when you look up like british horror i see the picture of her leaning against the the uh tree and i didn't know that was her yeah. and then it, it just kind of started to you know make sense yeah. after a while um so when it's going to be a nice uh like the the connective tissue between it and the offense is going to be this is this is an unpleasant movie <laughs> it seemed like it it seemed like it and but but no it'll be an interesting an interesting one to talk about you've seen yeah. it steve yes yeah okay so it'll be the i think this is the uh, first time it might be what the 
one of the first times that I feel like I have a firm picture in my head of the movie we're about to talk about. So this mm. will be but I, you know, I'll watch it again. I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'll make myself sit through it. It is, it is a, a nail biter. Is it terrible? Or should I, should I, should I? No, 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 no. I, I would never, even if I thought it was terrible, I wouldn't veto a choice. But you know I what I mean? Like if it's, if it's like too disturbing, I'm like, oh, God damn it. Oh, it's not, it's not too disturbing. No, I mean, okay. I like, I like this movie. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to, I, I haven't seen it in a while. Okay. I, I literally feel like I, like it was within that year or two, it came out. I know I saw this movie. Yeah. Um, it may have even been a movie that my, when I used to work that we may have handled when it came out. Oh wow! Like a smaller release for it, but yeah, I definitely remember. I definitely remember her and Michael Fassbender in this movie. Um, but yeah, this this will be a fun one to rewatch. Cool. This is so- that, like that that survival. Uh, you know, it, it it like like horror, yes, but like it's like it's got that real extreme survival. Okay, uh, cool. You no know, cool. survival in the woods, especially. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, never mind. Let's just watch it. Are you are you guys ready? Are you guys ready for the services that offer Eden Lake? I, I, I was gonna go, yeah. I have yeah. a list here too. Plex, Let's go. Plex, Voodoo, Pluto, Tubi, Redbox, Amazon Prime Video, all for free. Like this is a monopoly. Like it, you, whatever you pick up, it, you could fall into this movie for free. So like that's a tough <laughs> to watch. I've also, never seen- also on Hoopla, also on Canopy. <laughs> oh my god, the, the, the library service that we talked about. There's so many uh, services. The Amazon Prime piece is actually Freevee. It's on Freevee. That's free. really cool. Okay. Cool. Uh, cool. Uh, yeah, it's everywhere for free. It's everywhere. Like, this is one of those. Yeah, smaller. You can also get it on Apple TV or the the digital things for like two or three bucks. It looks like if you yeah. want to rent it. And I'd actually suggest if you want to watch it with no commercials, lean towards. Amazon. Um, Free, Freebie has ads. Freebie has ads? Yeah. Okay, never mind. I was trying to think of a service that you could watch. Well, it over well there, I mean, it. unless you mean like, unless it's also on Amazon Prime. Yeah, video. it says that it's I don't on know if it is. Prime Video, but, uh, you know, let me check. It might be like an add-on service. Yeah. It looks like it's free on Canopy, Plex, and the CW app. <laughs> wow. That's a so, lot of ads. So we, we listed <laughs> damn near yeah. 10 apps that have it for free. So like you cannot miss this movie. Speaking of ads, did, where did you watch the Oh my god, The Offense. The Offense. The offense. <laughs> where did you watch um, it, Ronald? I believe I rented it. I rented oh, okay. it. Okay. Yeah, so like I could I watched it on Tubi and speaking of ads, I was like I've never <laughs> seen so many ads for Amazon starring <laughs> Noah Schnapp from Stranger Things. Like every ad was the ad yeah. of him in his dorm room really? uh, saying what he chose for college. And that th- that is, a, I mean, nothing against Miss young Mr. Schnapp. That is an annoying ad campaign. I mean, like, oh my you've seen the commercial once and you're fine. So yeah. seeing it, I know how those online things, I don't actually mind. I mean, I, I, I hate commercial interruptions, just like we all do in 2023. Yeah. However, I can watch commercials if it's not the same two commercials over and over again. Right, right, right. But what kills me is the same two or three over and over again. I get so like hateful of existence when that happens. Um, so yeah, I went I went the Amazon route, but I, I did rent it in standard def, which felt very strange, but I think it added to the smudgy drabness <laughs> yeah. of this movie uh, because I do see that it, it had a Blu-ray release, so I'm assuming there's, a, there's an HD cleaned up version that I might have liked better, but you know, it 
1973 and you know it it definitely had to me the look and feel of it had a there's a tiny bit of nostalgia for that type of that sort of production value um even if this felt like it was sort of like you said steve kind of pointedly style free so Mm. yeah but no i think this is interesting maybe the um maybe we all can do kind of a scary one for this next wave then or something like that i don't know okay or fun. or we can theme it like uh like a survivalist type thing. I, I saw I saw a remake of The River Wild pop up on Netflix that I'm, I'm yeah 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 in with Adam Brody. So maybe that'll be my pick in a couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Where does what? It's a River Wild remake. Yeah, on Netflix, Adam Brody. Wow. Oh, who else is in it? Um. Yeah, I I did. Uh, Taron Killam, Taron Killam, and yeah yeah yeah. Uh, forget who plays the. Like the comedic mm-hmm. actor, Terry yeah. Gill? Yeah. 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 Maybe Leighton Meester. I don't, I don't know. Like somebody like that is. I think is like it's, the, that's, it's, I don't, I don't know if it's her, but that's the name I was trying to come up with yeah, too. So, it's, some, yeah. it's, it's something like that. Uh, mm. she, she was on a show in the early aughts. Okay. Interesting. I mean, I'm just going to tease a little bit. Then maybe that'll be my pick. I don't know. Who knows? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it is Leighton Meester. Boom. Got it. That marketing got me, guys. Got you, man. <laughs> but yeah, okay, cool. Eden Lake. When we get to that, who knows? It'll be a couple of weeks. We got some uh, vacations coming up here. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, yeah. you got plenty of time to to choose one of the seven options. Yeah. And as a reminder, anytime we do these, I highly recommend if you like playing along, downloading the Just Watch app. Like it's a free app. It's iOS, Android. That's what I use every week when we go over these, or even when I'm just looking for something and I, and I don't have access to it like immediately. It's uh, basically you type in what you want to watch and it shows you where you can stream it. You can buy it, tells you if it's free or ad supported. I mean, it's a really great kind of streamlined cool. way of finding what you want to watch and where to, where you can get it. So um, and we've yet to receive sponsorship money from Just Watch. But I mean, this is their this is their last freebie. That's all I'm saying, guys. Yeah, yeah. man. Um, all right, cool. So, John, you wanted to talk a little bit about um, the passing of uh, William Friedkin, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just. He's one of those names, actually, you know, not too far from the way people talk about Sidney Lumet. Sure. Uh, see the way I kind of combine the two possible pronunciations. Yeah. Um, but I mean, th- he's part of that new Hollywood wave of directors who, who I don't know, defined that not just what we consider to be kind of like 70s cinema, but a certain kind of boldness and daring uh, uh, right. cinema that that's very like... Um, still emulated today by a lot of the indie directors that we love and a lot of the a lot of the even some of the um you know kind of popcorn films that we see today are you know people who were heavily influenced by just the this this type this approach and uh, you know we were talking about it before we started recording and uh we pulled up the filmography of william freak and the movies that he's directed and you know i mean he reminds me all those guys who had those long careers where you look at it there's always something that kind of surprises you that's on the list um and ronald you were surprised to see blue chips uh from 1994 one of my favorite sports movies ever so talk about what makes it great i mean maybe we're going to find a little bit of a theme and like what yeah so um that movie came out was it 93 or 94 yeah 94 so that was the beginning of the magic era of uh the nba so like Shaq hit the nba like a ton of bricks he was bringing backboards down he was destroying things and then this accompanying point guard so point guards typically for people that don't know are typically shorter people Magic Johnson started the trend of there being taller point guards. Penny Hardaway was 6'7", just like Magic Johnson. He was a 
skinny guy that could throw the ball into your hands no matter where you were. So these two together were magical. But it was the beginning of that. So this movie kind of introduced them as people first. It was weird. It was like, you know, it was like Shaq was playing in basically like a swamp area. It was a little exaggerated the way that they did this. He's from Louisiana. <laughs> he played in LSU. It was a little weird the way they presented it, but <laughs> it was weird how they got a, a basketball net up in the swamp. <laughs> just like just like dunking on trees and shit. But it was it was a little like this introduction of these two people that would become these NBA legends. And it was handled like, I don't know if he likes basketball, but it was handled in a way that really presented it like somebody who knew basketball in the recruitment process. Like it really came across like this guy had seen basketball. So like, you know, you bringing up his name and me seeing what he done. I love that, that attention to detail that this movie had. And it, you know, it had a level of corny, but like, you know, that's, that's every movie in the nineties. Right. So like, right. Right. But there's this attention to detail that is like unmatched in that movie. Just like really cool. Like what you have to be to essentially become a recruiter is like, like a father figure, but not trying to replace somebody's father, but also really cool. Like, you know, somebody you want to hang out with. And yeah, uh, Nick Nolte really captures that in this movie. This this like real father figure that he 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 approaches these two players with. Um yeah, I have a lot of fond memories of that movie, man. Um, so yeah, rest in peace. It's, it's so sad. It's sad when you hear about people like that who who are creating, I mean, Exorcist, come on. Exorcist is in every real of every movie, <laughs> every every like award show, it's like ah! it's always that <laughs> clip of her going nuts in the bed. Come on, iconic, iconic. What what, what movies from his uh, filmography stand out to you, you guys? Yeah, Steve, I'm I'm kind of yeah. wondering about you. I was gonna say mm-hmm. I, I I've always been pretty cold on The Exorcist. It's like I'm, I'm in yeah. the minority here. I'm, I've been that made that comment before in the podcast. Like yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I like respect it, and I do, and I do. It's fine, but like it just isn't. Isn't is for me. It's not for me. But yeah. when I think of his movies, the two that come to mind for me are The French Connection and To Live and Die in L.A. Um, I think you know when I when I found those movies, definitely during a run like in my college years where I was trying to see all these like great movies you know, that I'd heard about from, you know, whether it was from the seventies or the eighties, like movies I had never come across my radar before. Um, but just trying to kind of round out, you know, my exposure to different filmmakers and actors. And, uh, you know, at the time, both really, I don't know, for whatever reason, you know, uh, being into like finding movies that like Willem Dafoe had been in or William Peterson, um, obviously Gene Hackman, Roy Scheider, like things like that, that, you know, actors were pulling me in certain directions. And then I was like, oh, this this is obviously a well-respected filmmaker. But those two of, of the ones I've seen of his, I mean, I've seen pretty much, I think, most of his movies. John, you had mentioned Sorcerer before we started recording. I, I have not seen that, but I've always wanted to. So maybe that's a, a thing I have to make happen. But I don't know. I just really like the grittiness of both, you know, The French Connection and To Live and Die in L.A. And I know that word is used a lot. You know, when movies come out today that have any kind of edge or feel kind of raw or unpolished, um, which I feel like both of those movies do, but they both have a lot of style and substance to them. Um, yeah. And I just love that, you know, any kind of like crime thriller, you know, I, I like that kind of movie in general. Um, but yeah, those two, 
uh, those two are for sure the ones that stand out to me when I think of the ones that I've seen of his, um, obviously, you know, with the exception of having not seen Sorcerer, which I've always heard really good things about. Um, what about you? What stands out to you, John? I mean, I would say Sorcerer might be the first one I would mention just because it's this such an insanely specific story. Uh, um, it's these guys who are... Um, Basically, they're transporting really, really. Uh, I'm not going to say too much about it because I don't want to spoil it. But they're transporting something really dangerous through really dangerous terrain, and the job they're accepting to 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 travel with these like explosives over this, you know, it's like it seemed to be sort of a nearly impossible mission, um, but not the not the Ethan Hunt kind. But like, <laughs> it's one of those like suicide mission kind of things of like we're sending the most expendable, the most low down, the most the most out of options men on this mission uh and they're not really expected to succeed necessarily but if they do succeed hey great but if not you know it's who cares what happens to these guys is kind of the the feeling of it and you know it's got roy scheider in it and he's amazing and it's like if you like him then this is like one of the key roy scheider movies uh um but it's also got a you know a, a full cast of of these kind of really interesting sort of macho types and you kind of see how they either rise to the occasion or 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 fall before it of this this crazy thing that they have to do and it is itself i don't want to say it's a remake of the french film wages of fear i think it's it's sort of a readaptation of the book that the french film wages of fear i think Fried can always bristle at the notion that he remade someone else's movie so much as that he just you know that's an oft uh, argued thing by directors that are readapting a book but uh, you know yeah. for whatever what that's worth i i think wages of fear is fantastic as well and in some ways I mean, I don't know. They both have different uh, moments and feels to them that, uh, you know, that make them make them distinct. But they both have the same sort of, you know, bleak premise, not to overuse that word this episode. Uh, but the other one I would mention is the one that I said to you guys before we started recording, too, that's almost cautionarily. But his film Cruising, which depicts um, Al Pacino kind of going undercover in the S&M underground of gay clubs, you know, uh, because there's this murderer murdering gay men in these kind of bondage settings. And it is both a very problematic look, at, at, you know, that you would never condone this today. This someone taking this kind of outsider's view of 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 homosexual lifestyles and treating it like this this creepy other world within the world. But it also was sort of one of the first movies to really dig into some of these things and depict some of these things. And William Friedkin, in his maybe bullheaded kind of macho way, was trying to depict something he thought was interesting and with compassion. And the movie's not without compassion, but it has a couple of really strange moments in it and a couple of, you know, regrettable uh, sort of plot threads. But it's it's made like a giallo film or a slasher film almost. Um, so I think it's interesting and incredibly flawed, but Cruising would be the other movie. But like I said, only if only if you weren't completely scared off by the description I just gave it, because I could see people today just being people were offended at the time. Um, and, you know, if people were already offended, I think when was that made like back in 1980 or something like that? If people were mad about it, then you know that it was some crazy shit. Um, <laughs> but uh, but Sorcerer would be the easier top pick. And I, I'm kind of with you on The Exorcist, Steve. It's never been one of my movies, but I totally get what it does that makes it special and the way that it depicts a sort of grounded world and like the 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 emotional trauma the emotional effects of what's happening on a small group of characters it kind of reminds me of almost like an a24 elevated horror sort of treatment of a story where it's like we've seen the possession narrative but this is like you know it's a slow paced it's kind of one another one of these 70s movies that might seem a little 
a little sluggish by today's standards, but right. um, it's kind of important for how influential it is. And I still think it's got a couple of great, like all timer moments in it that are that that I would say, okay, it's worth seeing for that alone. And if you're a, a film buff or a horror buff, obviously you probably already know it. But yeah, it's never been one of my. It's not one of my favorite Friedkins necessarily, and it's never been one of my favorite horror movies really yeah. either. So that being said, uh, a guy who stayed vital and in fact has a movie coming out next month uh, at the, I think the Venice Film Festival is that oh. correct? Um, the Kane Mutiny Court Martial, Court Martial, which is yeah the uh, Venice Film Festival in September 2023, and wow. um, it's uh, you know it's like the other side of the Kane Mutiny, the kind of court martial scenes, um, another based on a play. Uh, movie, but it stars Kiefer Sutherland, Jason Clark, uh, Lance Reddick. Uh, maybe this is his last role. Um, J. Duplass. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be a pretty interesting movie, and it's another testament to one of those guys who went out working. Wow, really cool, man. Rest in peace. I'm, I'm I'm looking for that. That cast sounds incredible. I wanna yeah, wanna check that out. Well, has anybody seen anything else that Mer- Merritt's mentioning before we? sail away into the night i wanted to mention i finally got around to watching the beanie bubble <laughs> oh i wanted to watch that but i i, I like was too sleepy on, uh, the other night on apple tv it? plus i i kind of liked it it's nothing it's nothing great uh to be blunt but i mean again it's it's like these things of like the 90s you know like these timely things of of, of a gen- our generation like where you know it's it's like i can i can remember like I can remember my place in that part of history, yeah, you know, yeah. of that story, you know. So like being able to see, you know, this fictional kind of well, fictional based on a true loose, whatever you want to call these things, where like things have been changed, but it's it's pretty much the story of what happened. Um, and you know, kind of seeing the ins and outs of of the company and kind of how <clears throat> how Ty Warner, like kind of with the help of a lot of very uh technically savvy. And just uh, really impressive women in his life was able to kind of build this company uh, up to what it was before the the bubble burst um, and kind of maybe how he did all of these people wrong. Uh, So that really kind of paints him in a really horrible picture, which I think has always been the case. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's never really had a great reputation and that I even was aware of back then the little bit I did know of him. Um, but yeah, I, I watched the documentary a little while ago. That was on Max called uh, Be- uh, Beanie, Ma- Beanie Mania, which is a really that that documentary is really good. Like if you're interested just in this whole craze of that bubble and, you know, what it was like, um, just like socioeconomically, like the impact it had on the Internet as we know it today, on yeah. eBay as you have it, as you know it today. You know, the idea of Thai really being one of the first like commerce websites for products. I mean, that, that stuff mm-hmm. is just mind blowing being reminded of that and watching that. And they go over that, that you know, interesting. in this movie, but, um, uh, you know, there's some really fun performances in it. Like, you know, Zach Galifianakis is, is, uh, is pretty good. And, um, I thought that I never remember her name. She was in, um, blockers. Um, yeah, I, I, oh, God, I feel so bad. I never, I can never remember her. But everything Geraldine? she's in, I love her. Yes, Geraldine. Geraldine. What's her last name? Uh, Viswanathan. Uh, yeah, but like every everything I see her in, I think she's just great in it. Yeah, like she, she was in Blockers. She was also in um, what the? Oh, sorry. Anyway, she she she's really good in this. I mean, as you know, the and the and knowing more about the woman that her character is based on in in real life, who this is based on. And like what that woman went on to do, um, both with internet, 
commerce and marketing and things like that. It's just, it's just bonkers. Like beyond the beanie fat of what it was in the market and like that it created and all the money that was made around the reseller market and all that stuff. Um, it was just, you know, one of the, another one of those kind of, we talked about some of the bigger scope ones, like recently, like air and Blackberry, but like, this is another one of those things of like, <clears throat> you know, these nineties moments that were, or eighties, nineties moments that were pretty monumental, um, mm -hmm. for the landscape that we kind of grew up in. Um, but, uh, oh, yeah, bad education was the other one that Geraldine was in that I thought was so good. That was the yeah. Hugh Jackman education right. scandal. I really liked that movie. Yeah, that, that was, was good. Great. That was really good. But yeah, this one's fun. I mean, it's it's an easy watch. Um, and again, if you, I wanted to kind of bring up that documentary. If you watch, if you watch the Beanie Bubble on Apple TV Plus and want more about this beetle, you know the Beanie craziness. Uh, the the on Max, there's a really good documentary called Beanie Mania that is definitely better as a watch than this movie. But I mean, you know, it's kind of fun seeing, um, you know, Galifianakis and Sarah Snooks in this. And um, uh, what's her name? God, I'm blanking out all these names today. Um, getting Elizabeth Banks. Banks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, she's, 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 I mean, all these people are just having a fun in this movie, which is, you know, it's fun to see people having fun yeah. uh, in a movie about beanie babies. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's and, what and, and that there's plus. a heel. Yeah. I just love that there's even a heel in that story. You know what I mean? And that like someone is actually the villain of the Beanie Baby story. It's like, you know. Yeah. Like, well, most yeah. times you can probably point to the the founder, the big the big wig, the billionaire uh, as the, you know, the heel. Right. Who, who made the, the money guy. off of the thing some other person thought of and then exactly. like, gave to him exactly. for five bucks or whatever. <laughs> yes. Yes. And just like, you know, continued to pay the person $12 an hour who was running their website, you know, right. making billions of dollars. Like it's just, it's ludicrous, but I mean, it's, it's for all accounts what it was. I mean, it's why there's a strike happening right exactly. now. Yeah. Exactly. Multiple strikes. Yeah. Multiple fronts. Yeah. I mean, the VFX um, artists at Marvel, that's worth mentioning. I mean, you know, we ever, so much of what we've been talking about with the whole Marvel, what's wrong over there thing. The fact that the VFX artists are being overworked and underpaid. And that seems to be the tip of the sphere tip of the spear for like the 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 way that we see these movies as having production problems and having yeah. pipeline issues it's like and we've even said we're not blaming the poor overworked artists but the effects in this movie were dog shit you know like i don't know i just think that it's like that was a major like domino that fell for me of the whole like you know how can you fix marvel yeah. i was like oh you know i hadn't even thought about like oh maybe start paying the vfx artists and giving them time to do really quality work and some of that yeah. shit that we we've been complaining about would would be ameliorated speaking of the product of that abuse i actually saw one of those products of that abuse across the spider-verse actually bought the movie for the 20 dollar pvod price Man, you know, I had the experience that was a little different than y'all. I had the I had the terrible mix. So I had never seen the movie in its intended sound, <laughs> with its intended yeah. sound. Watching it at home was so fun, man. Oh, I'm, I'm about to. I can't wait to watch it again. This is one of those movies that just translates well. You have a you have a 4K TV. It's just crisp, just a crisp. It looks good on anything. Looks good on a phone. Looks good on a it just is one of those movies. Um this is one of those ones that I, I'm definitely going to buy a physical copy of because I need to hear the the kind of spatial mm -hmm. stuff because it, it's incredible. On on um, I watched it on iTunes. It was really cool. So that's one. 
The other one I wanted to mention, because I'm actually going to the Chinese theater in a couple weeks, is uh, one that uh, Bruce Lee didn't get a chance to see, and that's uh, Enter the Dragon, um, the WB100 4K remaster of that. Um, I, I bought it Tuesday from Best Buy. That must have it. been a disappointment to Bruce Lee because he loved 4K. I mean, he yeah. loved 4K. He was like, "Look, when can I see this shit as crystal clear <laughs> as possible?" Um, but this is—it's it's so funny you say that because this is a special edition that includes some of the scenes that were kind of lost in his passing. Mm-hmm. Um, the the studio kind of pieced together the movie, but there were there were these kind of integral scenes that he wanted to be in the movie that are written in his version of the script that just never made it. And there was a version that came out. Um, I think the Criterion may include it and has an introduction from his wife. But this one is in 4K and it's it it's a gorgeous, gorgeous transfer. It, I don't know how they did Atmos with a a stereo mix, but they managed to do it. They managed to like make these enveloping sort of sound effects, like mostly like crowd stuff, nothing really crazy beyond that. Um, but you, it feels like you're in the middle of the crowd when he's he's fighting uh, a couple of the cha- challengers, Bolo, people like that. Jim Kelly is still amazing in it. Um, you come straight of, out of a comic book is one of my favorite lines ever used <laughs> for a villain. Um, and it's it's so crazy. What's the guy's name? Um, in Freddy, who is who has a huge role in Into the Dragon. Uh, Hold on. He's the cop. Oh, John, uh, John Saxon. Saxon. John Saxon yeah. has a huge role and he's incredible. So yeah, if, yeah. If it's he, funny that that's what he was before. Like, yeah. it was shortly after that that he started playing the sort of cop and dad roles. And he John said Saxon. that he, he felt his career change when, like, he didn't like it when it first happened, but then he realized his wheelhouse was playing the sort of yeah. like middle aged guys. But before that, he was like a, you know, a young badass, right? He's in Into the Dragon. And Nightmare on Elm Street, like two and, and Black Christmas, which is like in, incredible. So three, three. Yeah. I I hear those movies thrown around like crazy. The fact that he's in three of those movies, and and really is like the heart in a lot of them is mm-hmm. really cool. So like this is a movie that you can't pass up if if you want to rent it. It's now in 4K on all the Pivot stuff, Hulu. I mean, a, a Vudu iTunes, uh, Amazon Prime. So Enter the Dragon special edition was hmm. a fun experience, man. That's a good wreck. Yeah. So those those are two I saw. What what about you guys? Besides I think, uh, I think that's it for me. I mean, I would just say I loved the way the Righteous Gemstones uh season wrapped up. Um and I'm glad that wasn't a series finale. However, if if it hadn't come back for a fourth season, that would have been a fine that would have been a fine ending for the whole yeah. whole yeah, shebang. Definitely. But I'm 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 glad that they get to continue doing their weird little epic <laughs> saga. Um, but aside from that, yeah, I feel like there's things coming up that I can't wait to talk about. Like I can't wait to check out Changeling on Apple TV Plus and talk about that. Um, some of these fall movies that didn't get bumped back to next year. I'm I'm still excited to see what what happens with all that. But right Me now, too. I didn't. I feel like I'm in a state of needing to catch up on a couple more things. But I didn't really have anything else this week that was. Yeah. I thought I might get out to see the Meg too, but there was no urgency there. And um, mm-hmm. I still intend to watch the in, the Insidious uh, Red Door uh, movie, but I realize I never saw the last Insidious movie, so I probably should watch that go back. before I see this one. I gotta go back. Gotta go hey, back. We gotta go back. 
Yeah, I need to watch that too. I was going to watch it the other night and it just didn't happen. I was hoping. I'm, I'm most intrigued because Patrick Wilson directed it. Like that's the thing that makes I me mean, most interested to see it for some reason. Yeah. And I mean, it was a huge, it, I mean, I, I, I don't know, like, in perspective, it's the biggest horror movie of the year. Like, right. like box wow. office wise, like I just saw them uh, posting figures for that earlier this week. That like you know it was bigger than uh, Scream Six. It was bigger than uh, Evil really? Dead Rise, which are are big. These are big yeah, hits, successful yeah. movies, right? I, I think it did like 180 or 190 million or something like that, like worldwide. Which is, I mean, that's big. Looks like Patrick's horror. gonna gonna direct something else. That's really cool, man. Yeah, I mean, like, wow, and and it seems like for most most people, like you know, at least fans of this franchise or you know, of like horror fans, like most people that I know that have seen it, you know, and at least liked it. Yeah, um, especially for like you know, getting further into the franchise, it's like doesn't seem to be really. Yeah, hundred eighty hundred eighty three million worldwide. Wow. Isn't that the great thing about horror? In a way, is that you do get like they aren't precious about. I mean, I love good franchises or movies that don't have sequels however if you're going to do it it's the horror approach is the fun approach where it's like let's milk it let's do prequels let's do sequels let's do spinoffs like it's like it's kind of trashy but it also it's i like the i don't know i i I grew up loving that sort of aesthetic of like oh yeah it could be that part seven in a series is actually is actually great and you want to say to people no you should see part you should see uh you know whatever part seven because it's great so i think that like um i can't believe i couldn't think of an example of anything made up or anything real when i was saying that but um (laughs) But no, I I think that also with um with Patrick Wilson, he's one of those actors that like we he's he's not quite one of our guys, but he's very yeah. close to being one of those actors. I think Definitely we just, we just sort him. of appreciate his vibe that he brings, and it took a while for me to realize that I was I was into it. Like the first few the first few times I saw him, I thought he was maybe a little milk toast and a little bland, and then once I saw what he was doing with that, particularly with uh, Fargo season two, is when I really um you know homed in on his uh his his thing so um i'm glad he's having that kind of success that must be a, a pleasant surprise because I, I hear that they kind of lured him back almost with like well if i'm going to come back and do this i want it something different i want to you know take on a bigger challenge and i think the directing was a you know the thing that brought him into it so and 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 yeah so like looking at this real i know we, we didn't see this film the review it but we're just talking like context here 16 million dollar budget Made 183 million worldwide. I mean, this is why this is a winning franchise. It's a win for him, for the studio. And also, something I learned during all the promotion for this movie, both by him and his, who I realize now is his wife, uh, Dagmara Dominic. She was um, Carolina Carolina on uh, Succession. Hmm. Oh, I never yeah, knew yeah, yeah. that was his wife. They've been married like for <laughs> like two decades or something. Um, but like she was She's like great. posting. I, I follow her on Twitter, um, like back from Succession, and like she was like just nonstop gushing about like him making this movie and how much love he put into it. And he sang a song with ghosts as in the movie, like well, you know, a metal band, and it's like he's all about this movie. And it was like really kind of sweet to see how much she was championing that. So I'm really happy that it was successful. Cause I like, he, the he must like franchise. a musical moment. He must like a musical moment oh, because he does oh. that great Elvis so- song in uh, the country yeah. too, which is one of my favorite scenes <laughs> of like any movie for some reason. I'm, you know, <laughs> not ashamed. It's definitely to say. memorable. Yeah. But yeah, no, um, I, I want to, I, yeah, it's a circle back. I, I, I'm really excited to finally watch it now that that's on demand as well. Uh, so yeah, maybe that's something we'll catch up on the next episode yeah. that we together. 
So yes, on that, I don't know when we'll get back together again. I mean, we may try to squeeze in an episode. We've got some vacations coming up. You guys are going on vacay, uh, week back to back weeks. Um, I'll be going sometime in September, but like you know, we'll, we'll we'll get something together, whether it's something that we have to release during that time down. Um, and if not, we'll just be back in a couple weeks to talk about everything else. Yeah. Um, if if something pops up on the feed, you know, make sure you follow us at moviesmovie.com. You can subscribe to any podcast feed there. Um, but if you see something pop up in your feed and it's like, Hey, that came out next week, that was a surprise for you. And, and we're, we'll try to make it happen, but don't be upset if it's not there. Cause we will yeah. be back. <laughs> just give us, just give us some time. People going to travel. People got into Ronald said he's going to the man Chinese theater for end of the dragon. He's going to see some other stuff out, out there. I hear he's going to some theme parks. He's going to enjoy himself. John's got some oh, enjoyment yeah. coming his way next week. This is the time to enjoy. And I might make a lightsaber. And that's yeah, all I, you know what? Don't get ahead of yourself, okay? Right. Choose if my stone. Happens, let it happen, and then just send us, <laughs> send us your, photos. That's your all. Crystal, I believe. I don't think it's their. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they don't say stone. Your crystal first. Yeah, yeah. Kyber, Kyber crystals. Um, Kyber crystal. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So we'll be back soon, guys. I promise. Uh, YouTube.com/slash Movies Movie Podcast. If you want to subscribe to the video portion, uh, make sure you hit the subscribe button and the bell so you get notifications when those videos come up. And we'll see you soon. That's all we'll say for now. And uh, as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.